Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we take two pieces of media and we score high and aim low. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the right order. <laughs> <laughs> aim low, score high. <laughs> anyway, I am Takeshi. With me, I have Santos. And today we're going to talk about High Score Girl, which was a manga first. And it was released in October 25th of 2010, and it went till September 25th of 2018. It was 10 volumes, and it was written by Rensuke Oshikari. And he's done this and a couple other mangas, but I don't know. He's done High School Girl, Puppy Po, and Miso Miso. And the funny thing is, is all the characters, they all kind of look kind of like Ono with the bangs and the kind of the, the stern, intelligent look. Uh-huh. So he has a little bit of a theme going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was released as an anime, which we're going to talk about. It was published in 2018, and it went till December 20th of 2019. It is 24 episodes, 21 regular episodes, and three OVAs. And it was actually, did I say it was published by Square Enix? Because it wasn't. The manga no. was. And then. Um, What's it was, OVA? OVA is their original video. Um, God damn it. <laughs> like it's just extras? Like is it extras like after the fact or before the fact? I think the, it was the last three. Or like some of the Christmas stuff that they added in there. Oh, okay. That's usually an OVA, but it stands for <laughs> original video animation. There you go. Wasn't helpful, but um, okay. So it's just extra. Like they <laughs> yeah, had a series, extras. and there's three extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on Netflix, it was just 24 episodes. If you didn't notice, so the manga was published by Square Enix, and then it was licensed over here by Netflix. It was directed by Ushiki Yamakawa and written by Tatsuhiko Yurahata. And they've done a, quite a bit of anime too, so they kind of know what they're doing. And the music was done by Yoko Shimomura. <laughs> And she's done the soundtrack for like Street Fighter 2. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she's pretty well known in the whole entire pantheon of music for video games. I mean, her list is just absolutely amazing Kingdom Hearts, 
popping music. I mean, it's endless. It looks like she's done at least like a hundred video games or something like that. Wow. Yeah, so she's pretty well known. And then there's high score girl Dash. And it was released in December 25th of 2019, and it's still going. So it kind of does still go on after this. And let's get into the plot. It's pretty simple. So there's this, he's a bonehead. He's a big bonehead. A gamer. And his name is Haruo. And he is playing this Street Fighter game. And he is about to play this game. He goes into the arcades in a small, well, in a city in Japan. I can't remember where it was exactly. And there's this girl that's beating everybody. And then he recognizes that she is in his class. Oh, yeah. They are in, they say elementary school, but it's like middle school, like sixth grade or something along that line. And so he decides to play her. And she's having this big win streak, like a 21 win streak. And she's using a really hard character named Zingief. And he does all these cheap moves, like turtling. And then he won one round. And I think she won the first round. And then he did another really cheap move, which is called a throw jank. And throw janking someone with guile, when you do something like that, will normally piss someone off. And yeah, she got pretty pissed off, and she went up, and she decked him, and that started their friendship. <laughs> which is so funny. So good. Yeah, I know. And she is someone in school that is very smart and wouldn't. Yeah. Be caught, like, you wouldn't think she would be in an arcade. Yeah, she is, like, the best at everything that she does. She has the highest grades, and her name is Akira Ono. She's pretty complex, but Haruo, on the other hand, is, he's a butthead. He's just very, very obsessed with video games, and so, basically, their friendship begins with video games, even though she hates him to death, so it seems... Then, he hates her. Like he is frustrated because he feels like she ruined the arcade experience. Yeah, yeah. Because she's beating his scores and stuff. Yeah, he sees her as a rival. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. Is he doesn't hate her per se. Yes, he, she did kind of ruin the arcades for her, but he wants to always achieve more and better because of her. And then their friendships do develop in a way. And I'll admit, Haruo, he takes a good beating all the time. I mean, he always gets hit by cars and gets People. kicked out of nonstop. It's like jumped. I was like, what? And then it's weird that they're so young because there's parts of it where they talk about like, and then I'll be engaged to her. And I'm like, how old are you? Like, so I don't know if it's just that youthful, like fantasy yeah. thing. There's yeah. kind of like a kid who says something like, because yeah. everyone likes Ono. Yeah, everyone likes Ono. She's really rich. Oh, yeah, very rich. That's very true, too. And everybody knows that Haruo is not good at school. The only thing he does, th- thinks about is video games all day long. And he's pretty oblivious about everything except for video games. Yeah, he's not that great. But throughout the series, he kind of develops. There's a friendship that kind of turns into more of a romance. This is a romantic comedy, but the friendship is always going to be video games. So, and this was one I love to death, but I didn't know if Santos would like this because I know she's not a big video game head. And I was hoping she'd be able to see past the, even though it's like in your face constantly, like they even go through years of when, yeah, 
like each episode is like, oh, the release of this one video game. This was my life when I was a kid, <laughs> actually. Uh. <laughs> Except for there was no like mute girl like that was attracted to me or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> and let's go a little bit further. Ono, she doesn't talk at all. She kind of she doesn't grunts. talk at all, which was. It was really bothering me, to be honest, because I was like, oh, God. So it's just narrated by the boy who doesn't really know anything. And he's the only one talking, and she's just quiet. It's weird. Isn't it? That's what's so cool odd. about it, though, in I a way. Like, uh, I was like, what is going on? And then she just, I don't know. It gave her less of a personality for me. It's really strange because everybody is narrating what is going on for her. But then at the same time, she's very expressive through her eyes. Yeah. And, her and she'll hit him. Cr- yeah, she'll hit him, step on his feet, Push punch him, him in the stomach. Yeah. He gets hit by a car a couple times, at least three. So, she gets her expressions out, but it's just interesting. Because yeah. it kind of made me think of um, what the Chinebio one. Kind of like their oh. relationship where the boy is more... Yeah, taking care of her because you know, like it's like trying to figure out this other person. Yeah, and somehow throughout the series, there's a love triangle with this one boy who's just a total bonehead. The boy that from school that took them to the fair, whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, oh, wait, how far did you get? Not very far. Oh. I didn't get very far because I was, like, not drawn into it like I wanted to be. Not that – I mean, I played Street Fighter as a kid, so I didn't yeah. know the game. But then I was like, oh, Ono's so weird. I don't know. Wait, this wait. Is- so you probably only got, like, to the third episode. I think fourth or fifth. Because so there's I another then- girl that enters in. Yeah. And then I was horrified by that. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and I was Harika. like, yeah, she just needs to tell me what's going to happen, so I'll know <laughs> if I should watch it. It's pretty good. The cool thing about it, it doesn't get, like, really weird or anything like Love and Lies, which mm-hmm. we watched before, because the main character is such a bonehead, he doesn't ever see any of the signals. <laughs> He is. And even that relationship was weird because I was like, I don't think she really likes video games. (laughs) Heidika is who we're talking about, which the art's really funny because she has blonde hair and she has bushy eyelashes. Yeah, I noticed that. It was really weird. They're really thick. Yeah. They have a whole entire battle, too, where she... I'm just going to kind of ruin some parts for you here. Yeah, and there. spoiler alert. Where, Turn it off if you don't want to hear about it. Where, I need to know. <laughs> right. Where she confesses his love for him and they have to go and do a like a, a street fighter battle because she gets better throughout the series. Oh. And so does she win or does he win? What happened to Ono? Um, well, okay. So she flew to America yeah, L.A. She like wrote, yeah. I was like, what? They just like wrote her away and brought in some new girl I'm supposed to like? I, <laughs> <laughs> so you're starting to get drawn in, and then you're like, wait a minute. What just happened? Yes. Well, you got to watch the rest. It's totally worth Ugh, it. It, okay. it is worth it. You just got to like get past the video game part. <laughs> I so. I'll try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just have to get past that part, which is really hard it to get past it. dated. Is the whole show take place when those sh- yeah. video games actually in the came 90s. out. So the 90s. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. It was like, oh, is this taking place? 
Yeah. Yeah, Okay. That makes sense now. That's all. Now it's all piecing together. Yeah. yeah. I'll admit, I I was like, I was a big bonehead when I was a kid like that (laughs) in in that era because there was nothing really else to do in a small town except for play video games and this ransack. No, it's true. I get that. I used to do that. Well, my parents would take me and my brother, our family vacations. It was like casinos. So you can't do anything as a kid, but just be left in the arcades. Right. I remember doing that a lot. And nowadays, they don't even have arcades, so they just, like, hang out in the room and play their iPads or something. Oh, Alameda has, and hopefully we'll still have after the pandemic shut down, we have an 80s arcade. Oh, that's sick. With 80s games in it. I went to the pinball museum over there, and it was amazing. But they're going to shut that down, (gasps) and he he threatened to burn all of the machines because he doesn't want to sell them. Why wouldn't he? Because he's like bitter that no one helped him with his business, that they shut down everything because of social distancing and stuff. And he's just been struggling to get any support. And so I think people were like, instead of supporting him, were like, oh, can I buy that machine off of you? And he's basically like, I'll just burn them to the ground. But they're (laughs) worth so much money. Okay, well. But yeah, so Alameda had possibly or could have had two different era arcades stuff. Right. Yeah, it's very rare now. I mean, I know in Vallejo they had or have a vinyl and pinball shop, and that would be so amazing to go to. Yeah, I don't know how they can do it. I feel like if they yeah. had in a small group of people, but then you'd only be able to be at one machine, and you'd have to make sure to wipe it down. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it, right now. COVID has been hard for all the really small businesses. I mean, I know someone who owns a tattoo shop, and there's st- I don't think they're still allowed that tattoo just yet. No, Sonoma's being hit hard right now, so yeah. they can't do anything. Yeah, there's nothing they could do about it, unfortunately. But this is a really funny series. You just got to get okay, past the video I games. Will, okay, I'll try <laughs> You'll again. Try. I was trying to finish the whole entire series. It's only 24 episodes, like I said before. The first season's 15 episodes, and then the second season's only nine, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You could get through it within, like, two, three days. I know. <laughs> and just know that it's not going to be that bad of a love triangle. It's just, how do I just be in a bonehead? Perfect. <laughs> and do they hold hands? Does Ono That's come back? So cute. So I figured you would like it because there is that kind of like cute romantic comedy out of it. It is cute. I have to admit, one of the episodes I did watch, I did like because they were in a group of kids and they're all annoying. <laughs> like so many of them are annoying. And Ono is not a fan. And so she just snuck off to the arcade. <laughs> she was like, I'm out. And then when she knew they were gone, then she had the boy take her to all the rides and the um, right. different things. And that was really cute. Because she doesn't talk, she was kind of just trying to let him know, hey, I want to hang out with you. And he never got it. It's like No, he gets this- little things here and there, but only around video games because she was coming around him when he was sick. And then right. she was excited that he had like at-home game consoles because she's not allowed to have that. But yeah, he doesn't get that she actually likes him. Because <laughs> he's a... Ugh, yeah, yeah, I've already said it so many times. But it's so funny because after a while, you're like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how many. I want to watch a few more. I'll definitely- it, it's definitely worth it. To me, it's kind of like along the line of 
love Chinevio and other delusions, or even one of my favorite new animes, that monthly girl's Nozaki Kun. <sighs> it's along that line of just like, come on, man, don't be so oblivious. Yes. So I think it's worth it. Okay. <laughs> when I first watched it, I was just so into it. I was like, I can't believe how good this is. And I had to like wait a year or so for the second season to come out. I think they kind of drip fed it to us too, because I think they released nine episodes and then about six months later, they released another five. I think it's very recommended for people who remember the nineties too. Oh yeah. Like remember arcades and stuff like that. Cause it is very nostalgic in that sense. Yeah. Kids who are born in the nineties won't get it, but they can then see what it was like. <laughs> Millennials. <laughs> Yeah, what, late millennials, right? (laughs) I liked it because it just reminded me of that era. It was a little bit more innocent in a way, but it was just so funny how going to different arcades and seeing this new game, and I totally remember doing all that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) I remember doing it completely. My friends and I would go to all these little arcades in Sonoma, and sometimes their parents would drive us out of town. And yeah, it's like the big thing to do. Yeah, go to an arcade. <laughs> <laughs> so, in one of my other favorite series, it's not an anime. I guess it's a reality. It's called Game Center CX. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but the production will pick this game for, but it's a retro game for this one guy who is a very very mediocre gamer and they give him 12 hours to beat it he's not very good he's not good at all (laughs) (laughs) that's what's so good about it oh that's pretty cool he's good at puzzle games but that's about it so you kind of sit through him and because it's in japanese and stuff they kind of like have this intensity to it and Uh he'll put on this weird thing over his head to cool his head down. It'll just stick there while he's playing the game. (laughs) Oh, God, it's so funny. It's totally worth a watch. I have some on YouTube. People have translated it lovingly. So Uh, there is a following What's it called again? Game Center CX. Game Center CX, okay. Yeah, we might have to do a little review. It's funny. It's just funny to see... Him just going, ah, because you kind of feel his pain. (laughs) And the games are revealed to him like, ta-da, like he's never played it before. He might have played it once when he was a kid. He's a little bit older than me, but he's Mm -hmm. still not good at them. (laughs) So, I mean, and there are all these retro games that he's playing. Like the highest they go up to is like N64 or playstation so he's playing these hellish games and that's so funny (laughs) it's hilarious the puzzle games that he's good at is just like tetris something or another but everything else is just like oh no poor guy (laughs) (laughs) and the funniest thing is is because it's in japan he has a following right so people always send him all these treats and yeah I think they finally killed the fax machines over in Japan. So fax machines were still very relevant over there. So they'd send them all these messages on fax. They are still relevant here for doctor's offices. I know, but I'm talking about like everybody has a fax machine in Japan. Really? Yeah. Was it just a business thing here? Yeah, it was just a business thing here. 
but it was such a thing in Japan. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So you could just fax your friends stuff. Yeah. <laughs> instead of emailing, like, <laughs> it, it, like you know, working out of business or whatever, instead of emailing your report over, you fax it over or whatever. It's yeah. really ridiculous. And, That's weird. Yeah, I'm surprised none of the animes we watch talk about that at all. But that's they're okay. not set back far enough. No, I mean, like I said, just recently they stopped using fax machines. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's so odd. I it just seems like a lot of equipment to have. Yeah, Game Center CX, I think it started in like 2008 or something. And so you figured the fax machine would be dead by then. Is it because... People didn't have computers. So oh, they all have the computers, fax, and they have incredible was the internet. Fax machine and like the phone, kind of the same, like all in one yeah. kind of vibe. So it's, that's why I, I, they all have cell phones. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they are kind of like known for their technology. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not like some archaic <laughs> country or anything. That's Third true. World country. Pretty up to date on stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking we need to bring back fax machines. I'm like, hmm, oh, maybe I shouldn't goodness. have thrown that one away recently <laughs> into the e waste. Yeah, um, it's totally funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, yeah, okay. So recommend it. Um, I can't recommend it because I don't watch enough of it. So yeah. I watched some Santos. of it. I liked it. It was okay. <laughs> it didn't draw me in like other ones, though. So. Well, like you said, it would have drawn you in. If they didn't introduce the other girl so quickly. Yes. Just right when I was getting into it, they removed one of my favorite characters. <laughs> so, <not bad. laughs> I don't like surprises. <laughs> well, you got to have faith because, like, Ono is on the cover. Yeah, that's why I was so surprised. It's like, what? Yeah. So weird. Oh, my God. I yeah. did not do a good job watching TV recently. <laughs> it, it I, I have an off week. <laughs> <laughs> we've, off we've had an off month, so. Yes, so. Okay, but totally. she recommends this. I recommend it, especially if you want to go take a trip down retro nostalgic lane. All right, we'll be right back in just a second. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, because you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Hey, podcast fans. I'm Jeff Davis. Through the safety of your earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, or car stereo, join me as I venture out on the wine road. Aiden offers up practical and helpful tips to help you live a more joyful life. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed on a whim on a lonely Wednesday. 
Storygram Network. And we are back. And now we're going to talk about Frankie Boots and the County Line. And I sent Frankie an email and I asked him a bunch of questions about the recording, which was really oh. nice. So it was recorded in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in a studio called Frogville. And it's actually a pretty cool little studio. He said the building was all staccato, and the pictures are all cool looking. And they have like different rooms. They have like a guitar room, a keyboard room, it looks like. And they could actually stay up in a loft somewhere near the studio, or it's a part of the studio too. The whole record they recorded in two weeks. And the first part of it, the core group, the bassist, the drummer, and him went from the Bay Area over to New Mexico. And they just laid down the basic layers. And then they got the other people to come over and do the other parts. And then they had Sally on vocals and other people on horns. They found out Frogville from their buddy, John Courage, who also plays with Frankie, too. And he is also a musician and songwriter. I guess he lived in Santa Fe for a few years, and he met everybody at Frogville. And then he moved back to Sonoma and... Somehow they continued the friendship over in Frogville, and (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty interesting. (laughs) Him and Bill, who helped build Frogville, they spent four days mixing the record down. And then after that, he went down to Houston and kind of thought about it for a while. They did some changes here and there, but he really liked it. And one of the reasons why he liked going all the way over to New Mexico was because they were away from everything. They were just kind of just recording the record. And this was his first record that they did, so... That's nice. It's like a music retreat, you know, so you can really just focus on the album. So this is the first album? Yeah, and this was his first record, so he said he kind of, like, learned how to actually how the song right this is about his younger years in a way they're still kind of green and hungry and so a lot of it's about heartbreaks and being love struck and being defiant he also said there's nothing he'd change about the record he's very very proud of it too so that's good it is that's nice it's nice to hear directly from the artist yeah, he actually got back to me like maybe six hours later after I wrote him a message in Instagram. Nice. And he's like, well, here's my email. Just send me the questions and I'll answer them. So, That's really cool. And yeah. so you discovered Frankie Boots I in Sonoma? Am. Yeah, yeah, in Sonoma. I am a Frankie Boots super fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go out there and say that. So um, people know. <laughs> so people know I am a super fan. How I actually met him is I used to produce this show in Sonoma called The Morning Show on KSVY Radio. And someone sent me a promo of Frankie Boots playing in Petaluma at the Phoenix, I think. And I was like, well, can we get him to come in and play and kind of promote it? And he was a little late, but he came in, he played a tune, and it was so amazing. I was like, okay, this guy's amazing. This is great. I like the lyrics. I like the way he's playing. His voice is very raspy. That's what I like about his voice. And and his songwriting is great. So after that, I became a super fan. And I've seen him play three times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> three times. All over the Bay Area or just Sonoma? Sonoma County, yeah. He lived in Sebastopol, I think. And then I saw his last show before he went and moved to New Orleans, where he is right now. 
And that was actually a really cool show because if I remember right, it started off just him and another guitarist and he played some tunes and then more people would join. And then all of a sudden, I believe there was like at least 10 people up there. And it was so funny because I actually took somebody with me who was into country music. So I didn't feel left out or feel too weird. And he actually liked the show too. So go me. Yes. Super fan. So I like finding out that it's the first album because there's something first album about it. I don't know. Like I really liked it, but now I, knowing that makes me want to listen to what else has come after, like how his music has say like developed Um, because it has really good I don't know what you would say, like like a good foundation or something. So you just know if this is the foundation, then it's like, oh, it's really exciting to see where he's going. And and then moving to a whole new state and city yeah. to see that influence come in of such a historic place like New Orleans. Definitely. And then he did another one called Lead the Light On, which <laughs> is an incredible album. And you could hear kind of the growth in his songwriting in there. It still has a full band with horns and that and then he has his other album called frankie boots and i think it's called pagan ranch and that one is a little bit more stripped down it's just guitars drums and bass and i like that one too actually yeah i'm so excited I like to them listen all. to more <laughs> i, I yes. like them all you're like they're all good um i <laughs> liked the first song a lot i like how it builds hold them all yeah song's really interesting to me it sounds nostalgic like reflecting on something yeah and the sounds of it but i see how it built it was like i thought it was really beautiful how they did that definitely it draws you in 
band. Right. The thing I do like about the album, even though it does have all these players playing and it's even not my style of music that I normally listen to, but there is something that is always catching me with it. It's mostly the lyrics, I think. Then the riffs are very catchy too. There's almost something familiar about how it sounds, but right. not like it sounds like somebody else. But I can't pinpoint it. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. like it's like oh, I've heard this. No, I haven't. But <laughs> but it's comfortable to listen to. It is a little bit sad at points, like the tones, like because it does have a nostalgic yeah. kind of feeling. Then being a happier album for me, it took me a little bit to get into it because I was in kind of a funky mood. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had to wait to listen to it when I felt a little better mood. Then I was like, oh, I really, really like it. Yeah. And I do like his voice a lot. Yeah, I love that rasp in his voice. I'm so jealous. I wish I could have a voice like that. <laughs> Instead, my voice is all like this and stuff. <laughs> you know? It's all nasally and high-pitched. Uh, and sh- when we're at <laughs> I'm a little when- jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it sounds very natural, his voice, too. Yeah. Like, it's not forced or anything. And his singing, it just... I can't decide if I like the woman's voice in it or not for the duets. I don't yeah. dislike it, but I can't decide if it's like the best voice to sing with him. Interesting. I know. I liked, I'm going to pick all the ones I like first. Wolf in Pig's Clothing. It had more of a darker tone to that song, I okay. think. Okay, let's hear it. It's really catchy too, actually. Right? I like yeah, that one a yeah. lot. It has a cool sound to it. I liked the duet there. So I just want to like edit. <laughs> I said I liked their voices there together. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's go through the band list because I, sh- I feel like I should actually. <laughs> so he went there with Zach Sumner and drummer Ben, I guess, Wiener, W E. And then on the fifth day, Tim O'Neill, Andrew Hobbs, and Sally Haggard flew in from Albuquerque and they did their tracks. I like all the different sounds in it too. Anything else or can I go um, through mine? So every song sounds quite different just so people also know the album. Not like so different like you're like what's this one album? Just that the range of yeah. his songs. It's not like you hear the same song over and over again. So that's nice. Um, right. Well, I'm going so to say that the first four songs have a little bit more of a darker tone to it four or five songs to me and then yeah. it kind of lightens up and at the other ones yeah i 
was going to say, like, then there's Vacation Wonderland, which I felt like. <laughs> exactly. Cadillacs and guitars and then Vacation Wonderland. It kind of like picks yeah. up a little bit. Up on the river, if you follow it north, right across from that peewee golf course, is a place of amusement and backcountry thrills where time is the only thing that can stay still. And the rides, they all whistle, the lights, they all glow like the TV set on the vacation homes. And the girl from the beach, she'd stay out late, I'd meet her right there through that ticket. I kissed her, but who was to blame? The lights were full of that video arcade with lasers and gazers and a romance. When the jukebox played Bowie, my baby had to dance. Yeah, that one's really good. Right? So it's like super, way more like uplifting kind of stuff. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? It reminded what? me kind of of that Pogue's Christmas song that oh, it starts yeah. out happy, but then it's terrible. <laughs> but it has that vibe of like this swinging vibe of like these voices coming together. So right, I was like, right. oh. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go through my favorite songs. Yes. I want to know what you think. <laughs> uh, my first one is Only Child. child or anything but still <laughs> i like that song <laughs> i don't know okay and then my other one is blue eyes Rock bottom for you even 
I think that has like a kind of like a funny end part to it, if I remember right. It just all of a sudden just kind of picks up. The one thing I do like about it is this how like certain instruments just appear for like just a little bit and then it just disappears. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about the album, all the different instruments and sounds. And like when you say country, sometimes it feels narrow what country is. Yeah. I don't know in my mind because I don't listen to a whole bunch of it. So this it just has a different feel. It does have it. a different vibe. Sometimes it reminds me of like some Tom Waits stuff. Sometimes it mm-hmm. reminds me of like, not Lou Reed, but something along that line. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm just full of it. No, I'd like to know what his music influences are or right. what he listens to. Because it feels like he's not just like a hardcore only country kind of person. Right. I think this is a good gateway country music artist mm-hmm. uh, to me anyway. Because he could get you into country and then you could kind of go from there wherever you yeah. want. Yeah. And then my other favorite one is Rusty Carousel. Rusty carousel to hell. How long will it go on? I said, Baby, we've been riding this rusty carousel to hell. How long? How long will it go on? But the lights are dead in your eyes I can tell by the way the conductor yells that It's all that's right And it ain't always been a good one It's been a long one, that's for sure Getting off seems so surreal But you know what we're hitting Okay, I guess I'm into kind of the darker ones. <laughs> I like it. That's so good. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on. Most songs on here are pretty decent. I don't think there's any throwaway songs. And they're on Spotify. It's all on Spotify. <laughs> are the other albums on Spotify too? Yes, they are. Oh. It's definitely worth checking out. Throughout the other albums, he does develop more too. An artist like the song he played at the radio station was from a bar stool far away. That's a kind of a funny song, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I think I got through this album and then Spotify went to like the next one, and I was like, What's this song? Oh, it's not on the album we're talking about, but it was really good. So, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'll let it run through and listen to more. They had another compilation that he did. Uh, has this thing where it says also appears on he was on another one and that song was so damn good and now i can't find it oh you have to figure it out (laughs) yeah is there i wonder how off to look up his social media stuff to see how the staying indoors thing has well sometimes he does instagram live Okay. And he plays uh, with a guitarist or a bassist. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. Okay. I keep track. <laughs> <laughs> you got your tabs on Frankie Boots. <laughs> yeah, I keep tabs. I'm a super fan, so I'll keep tabs. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. good. I hope he keeps growing and getting more recognition. And Yeah, I hope he does, too. 
because he also played at that Bottle Rock when it first started, I think, too. Oh, wow. Or not when it first started, but way back when, when it was just mm-hmm. a few hundred people or whatever. Oh, my God. Before it went crazy. Yeah, totally. Napa! <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> Maybe he'll make a, when you can travel again and safely. Yeah. Sonoma reappearance. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he'll play back over at Hot Monk. Oh, <laughs> where is that? It's in Sebastopol. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll play there or at the Mystic in Petaluma soon. Anyway, everybody, check it out. He's on Spotify, and then he also has a webpage, too. I think it's Frankie Boots. Let me look it up really quick. I do want to say when I first listened to the album, I thought, oh, I bet this is so good live. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, yeah it is really I thought, good live. Oh, I would love to be like watching him play and being somewhere to watch. I just thought the music just sounded very, yeah, like you'd want to be in a group. For sure. <laughs> like, For sure. And hear it live. So, Yeah, it's entertaining because you always, I always wonder like what musician he's going to bring out or other musician he's going to bring out too. Like if he's going to bring out more horns or another violinist or something too. And then sometimes there's like 10 people up there. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So you could go to frankiebootsmusic.com and get all his deets there. And nice. So check it out, everybody. You could find me on all social medias under Glitch Unicorn Santos. And you can find me on Instagram as Sister Santos. All right. See you next week. Bye.